3: He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed.
0: Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.
1: When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Hello, welcome back to this special show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. Uh, We
2: are joined as always with our super producer, Alexis Codename, Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you? You are here. That makes this stuff they don't want you to know, but this is a very special thing that we're incredibly happy to share with you. As Matt said, Uh, this is not your normal show. You see, we uh, we posseed up together uh, not too long ago and attended a thing called Podcast Movement in Nashville, Tennessee, and we were pretty safe about it. Uh, as said, Yeah, well, as we've said on the show before, we have uh, all been vaccinated, we take COVID tests, things like that, uh, but this was a window of time where it seemed like we might be on... The- getting to the other side of a pandemic. So I don't know if we'll be able to be live again, but it was great to have our first our first live show in, in oh more than a year.
0: It was nice. Yeah. And it couldn't have been a more apropos topic, I think, given the climate that we live in right now, in terms of being able to kind of sift through a lot of the fake news and a lot of the sensationalized news and kind of really just Figure out where the grain of truth and all this stuff is. It's honestly been the mission of the show from the start, and we did a panel on that very thing.
1: Yeah, so what you're about to hear is a conversation between the three of us and an awesome audience moderated by our very own Lauren Vogelbaum. You will you will recognize her voice from all the things and appearances on this show. Uh, and it really is a, about what this show is, kind of, right? I mean, I, that's this is almost like, in a lot of ways, just... Uh, uh, an episode about stuff they don't want you to know and why we do what we do and how we do it. So we hope we you find that valuable. I know I certainly did sitting there listening to you guys as we were talking.
2: The time, the time flew by for us candidly. Uh, and we, yeah, we want to uh, thank the audience uh, and thank everybody who checked it out. Thank of course our uh, our, our moderator and long-suffering friend of the show, uh, Lauren Vogelbaum, just like Doc at Mission Control, she has been far too kind putting up with us for so long.
1: And with that, let's head into the show. The real one. Not this one. The the one that the you're going to hear. The show in the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: So I am your uh, friendly neighborhood moderator. My name is Lauren Vogelbaum. I'm with iHeartMedia. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, uh, and we have with us today, uh, yes, the guys from Stuff They Don't Want You to Know. This is Ben Bolin and Noel Brown, and Matt Frederick. Uh, you're you, and you're here. Thank you so much for being here. Um, uh, this, this panel is uh, called The Conspiracy Panel, Critical Thinking in a Post-Truth World. Um, and if you guys aren't familiar with the show, it is a conspiracy-ish show. Um, stuff That I Want You to Know actually started in 2010 um, as an iTunes video podcast. And I haven't thought about that phrase in a very long time. Um, uh, it was also a, pivoted. It, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, It was also a YouTube channel, um, and then, yes, has grown into one of the most popular podcasts in the world about uh, everything strange. Um, Conspiracy to allegations of the paranormal, uh, government cover-ups, true crime. They cover all of this stuff. You've probably heard it. But they're here today to talk about what they call conspiracy realism, being the idea that through um, the lens of critical thinking, huh? we can successfully separate fact from fiction in this, our uh, strange world of misinformation and bizarre claims and just sheer outright falsehoods. Um, Yeah.
0: You nailed it. Yeah, yeah that was. Well, wonderful. I'm
4: reading off the notes that you gave me. You wrote very so. okay, well. You. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Completely improvised. Uh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, so that so that post truth thing in the title of this panel. Uh, what what do y'all mean when you describe today's society
2: as a post truth world? Yeah. So the fancy way to say it, the definition of this that has a tie on and goes out to nice restaurants is something like circuitous. The the circuitous sort of recursive slipping of uh, objective truth into selective criticism or problems of that truth. You'll hear people often say, one must question everything. But the the best immediate question to that is, why? And then we also find ourselves in situations where people tend to selectively question things that do not agree with their pre-existing narrative. This is hardwired into human beings. It happens, I would argue, in almost every aspect of human civilization. Not just like, you know, you always hear about it with uh, politics or maybe with religion, but it happens in sports games. You've seen, you've seen a sports fan have a problem with the ref's call, not because sure. not it was objective. It's, it's not just- about
0: objective truth. It's about their perception of, right. like, you know, some sort of witchcraft scenario that maybe mm-hmm. caused the events to happen because the ref did a hex of some kind. Is that about right? Right.
2: Or you're like, I hate the Patriots, therefore that was a bad call. Exactly. Yeah. 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 There's this dude named Jake
0: Hanrahan who we really like a lot and has a podcast called Q Clearance um, about QAnon. We had him on the podcast uh, earlier this year and he is the first person I think I heard use post-truth in like, Kind of a sentence, and it really hit me. And then now it's like you kind of hear it all over the place, but it's just this idea that because of the way the news is reported and information is disseminated it's all about the receiver of the information as to whether something is or is not true. And that's sort of a problem, you know, if we objectively can't separate truth from fiction and it depends on like your opinion, well, that used to mean a thing, an opinion. Right? Narrative.
1: Uh, yeah, well, yeah. your yeah.
0: narrative, right? But that can create some real sticky situations.
1: Well, I wonder how many people out here like actually have a problem deciphering what they feel is true. Uh, when you're reading the news or on your social media feeds, like, you, like it's a problem. It is. It's a problem for us. We're we get paid to do this, and and it is. It's not great, y'all. It it makes you feel a little bad about society overall, and like where we're heading, how how we got here. But you know, that's that's what this show was all about, in an, an attempt to do that, right?
2: Yeah, and I would I would just dovetail on what we're saying here by by noting what's happening now. Uh, is that we are in the midst of one of the greatest technological revolutions in history. Full stop, no caveats. And what that means is that every day we are inundated with some sort of push toward our opinion. If you want to play a very depressing game, when you wake up tomorrow, try to count how many logos or advertisements you see between when you wake up and when you go to sleep. You'll lose count around 250, and it'll still be pretty early in the day. Seventeen
1: hundred and twenty in this building.
2: <laughs> Matt, spit, Matt was up late last night doing this, and so we, um, what we want to do is, we want to find ways to, we want to find ways to empower ourselves with knowledge and at least be aware of what's happening. There is literally too much information coming from too many sources for a human brain, to even a human brain that didn't sleep, that had twenty-four hours a day to just digest this. It's still too much. Information and when that happens, our brains, which are have evolved to recognize patterns, tend to prioritize the things that fit the pattern we have already discovered or invented in our minds.
0: Makes us feel really good about ourselves and really smart, you know. It's the juice, yeah
2: but but what is
4: it specifically about conspiracies that is so appealing to to human people like what is it that hooks us
0: they're weirdly comforting in some ways i mean the idea that there's some unseen force like pulling the strings you know that you have no control over it makes you even though it's about not having control it makes you feel like at least there's a little bit of rhyme or reason as to why the world's so up um better than chaos right Right. exactly yeah it's something right that we can grab onto like you said i mean i think that's literally what it is
1: to, to my mind, it's the comfort when you don't know something, but you know for sure A, and you know for sure F. You know those things are objective facts, but you're trying to f- figure out why the heck B through D or something, or E, and you just don't understand, but you make up a conspiracy theory that kind of fits your your. Your worldview to connect those things together often it doesn't mean it's always false sometimes people get it right when they make a conspiracy theory which is mm-hmm. kind of scary at the same time because they like happen upon it accidentally discover something um, but but just going back to Ben Ben has a saying that we always hear uh, what, what is the saying about conspiracy theories uh, is it that uh, speculation thrives in the absence of transparency that's, right. that's it oh, that's the one, but but it's also this idea of like the,
0: the, the phrase conspiracy theory is what we often refer to as like a thought terminating cliche it's a thing it's a label you can slap on something that delegitimizes it instantly by calling it a conspiracy theory when in fact its it could well just be an actual conspiracy, and those exist i mean there's no question about it. they exist all over the place
2: yeah that's i I, I absolutely agree like we see um we see this shortcut. so language itself is a technology. It's a profoundly powerful technology because it is invented by humans, right? Like other forms of technology. And what we often forget when we're hearing, again, in this age of ubiquitous information, we're hearing things condensed down, concentrated down to three to five minutes, right, on your local afternoon news if you're someone who hasn't yet cut the cable cord. And the reality is those three to five minutes are very much an, very much a cliff notes, right? And they, they leave out a reader's digest. If I'm not dating myself here, a Reader's Digest version of a novel. They both of those date you pretty hard. They do, yeah, yeah, they do. But uh, the point is that when we hear when we hear this language, the next time you the next time you hear the news, whether it's something you know is very slanted, uh, whether it's a very opinionated YouTube piece, whether it's something that. Uh, prises itself on being objective, uh, note how many times the things that Noel mentioned, thought-terminating clichés, are used. They're not, you're not going to hear a phrase like uh, truthers explained because it's taken that you will know what that term means and that it refers to people who do not uh, believe in the official conclusions of the attack in New York City on September 9th, September 11th. 2001. We're working live. Oh, Mandela wait. effect. Beep. It's okay. <laughs> so, so with that, like the, the the language, the power here is that it can push people toward uh, push push people toward a confirmation bias. It can push people toward without consciously knowing it, agreeing with something whether or not it's objectively true. It's like I
0: remember when a friend of mine told me what Twitter was, and I was like, that's never going to be a thing. That's <laughs> absurd. That's not enough words to, to, to express an idea. And it's true. It's not enough words to properly explain or express an idea. But it's what you said, Ben. It's condensed ideas. And therefore, that's why everything's about headlines. That's why everything's about clickbait people so often get their news from the headlines. I mean, this is all obvious, but like get their news from the headlines rather than actually reading the piece itself, let alone doing their own homework and looking at multiple sources, you know? Um, Twitter, is, it turns out, is totally a thing.
4: <laughs> oh, yeah, spoiler alert. Um, uh, is, is, this, is this question of language um, why you, y'all call yourselves conspiracy realists instead of conspiracy theorists?
2: We just got, uh, honestly, we, we just got tired of being lumped in with like, Alex Jones and David Icke and you know the the great, the yeah. greatest hits of non objective explorations of ideas right so we um, th- th- going back to what matt said you know the the truth of the matter is that you can look at the idea of something as a conspiracy in three rough categories completely made up right flat earth there's pretty solid mm-hmm. evidence that that's bunk birds aren't real Birds aren't real. taken off on the internet. Hopefully, no one actually buys they're into it.
0: Real and they're terrifying. Yeah.
2: Yeah. or or terrifying, partially true stuff, like the um, the uh, the atrocities of the Tuskegee experiments, wherein the U.S. government told people that they were go- told disadvantaged people that they were going to treat them for syphilis, and then just didn't. And that is that is horrific, uh, and that is true. That happened, and with the game of telephone, that is history over the decades that became like the basis the grain of truth for a larger pearl of conspiracy and then unfortunately there are like matt said there are conspiracies that do turn out to be true but we can assure you in the vast majority of cases those things that we would call real conspiracies rather than theories are usually involving a group of people who have a lot who have a lot of power but they want more and they're super down to do anything illegal to get it. That's where you see things like banking cartels, like uh, HSBC did launder drug money for cartels. Uh, And when you use the phrase, going back to what you said, no, when you use the phrase conspiracy theory to describe that, you're associating it with things in the the audience's mind, you're associating with things like um, Queen Elizabeth is somehow part alien lizard and for some reason is super into not talking about that i don't like it seems like the, that would be the she, most interesting thing about her yeah the sex true. pistols got it right you
1: know, right she's right. not a human can, being can we, i want to jump back to yeah. uh the drug trafficking thing uh, i'm sorry to keep pulling y'all i'm just going to pull the audience the whole night so um, yeah let's yeah, do that's it your that's, your, that's your um, oh, you're that, the most important part okay, of the show cool. yeah. so I, I wonder how many people here think the central intelligence agency or another intelligence agency within the united states had anything to do with the crack ep- ep- epidemic within the united states or if they were actually trafficking drugs or bringing them into the United, the United okay, States. Okay, yeah, I'll do it, yeah. Well, okay. see, now, Well, here's, here's the thing. Like, I, I raise my hand here for a lot of reasons uh, because it's this weird conspiracy theory territory where you can prove things that the government was involved with, like, the Nicaraguan Contras. You can prove that uh, as a fact, an, object, uh, an objective fact. It's just part of the larger. Yes, discussion. and that's real, and we, we did that. Or we, the government did that no, it was you but, oh, it was me, jeez, I knew it <laughs> um, but then but then you can get into something like um, is it freeway Rick Ross, uh, mm-hmm. you know who's alleging that yep. he was working directly with intelligence agencies and they taught him how to to sell and how to make money and how to launder that money, but you know then you're you're kind of taking one person's uh, um one person what one person says as fact because you can 't verify that from the intelligence you know people that he may or may not have been working with they 're never going to talk I mean well I mean sometimes they retire and they they do talk a little bit well but then then there's journalists who've died, weird mysterious deaths who are looking into stuff that has to do with this, so it just becomes weird territory where if we if we all as a society decide the term conspiracy theory is bad and we can 't talk about it uh, we 're going to be in in I think we're going to be a, we're going to have a big problem because things will happen in the future where we're not allowed to talk about it, but there's right. alternate p- theories that may be real. Well,
2: there's this there's this other part with that too. There are there are basic facts. Again, this is why it's important to do the boring stuff and to look at the primary resources and like look into look into the t- court transcripts. Yes, like 10 pages of it'll be like, why am I here? I should check Instagram, what am I doing? But but when you get into this, you'll, you'll see these uh, naked statements of fact. And uh, there are also basic points of fact that do not get, um, do not get the coverage they should in some of these conversations about narrative that last three to five minutes. And one of those, to your point, Matt, about uh, the crack cocaine epidemic, is there is not a single coca field in the US. It's not grown here. And it has a really, it's in a, and the crack epidemic occurs in a place that has a very tight border with a history of corruption on the part of the people Guarding that border, right, from from the uh, from the importation of drugs. So that's one of my first questions. We'll have people who want to um, want to say, "Oh, this is hyperbolic," or "Oh, the, the CIA has a spotless record." I'm sorry. Let me do that again with a straight face. But the uh, the idea here is that. The idea here is that the danger first of treating these kind of things in a dismissive way is that we're missing important facts. And then by dismissing those facts, we're also setting ourselves up to be increasingly incorrect in the future because we're building on a cracked foundation.
3: He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed.
0: Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.
3: Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a man. Available wherever you will get your podcast. Limited to availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details.
2: If
1: you put yourself in the headspace where you're believing well you it's not even believing if you are aware of the stuff that's kind of hidden from us in the history books on purpose because it's just not really tidy stuff that maybe you know we all want to learn as kids or we want our kids to learn about uh-huh. because i mean there's there's a lot to be ashamed about in especially history of this country gosh I don't even like saying that, but it's true sure. and <laughs> gosh I, I I'm just um, i don't even I don't even want to finish this thought because I don't like where my mind was going. But really, it's like, um, mm, I'm going to need somebody else to pick this up because it really really does bother me that, uh, I'm sorry, it really does bother me that I learned about this stuff because I decided with Ben to make a show a long time ago that we just wanted to explore it. And it's the only reason why I know it. And the only reason why I have time to do this is because I, it's my job. You kind of can't unknow it um, though. It's like a, it's hard to walk walk yeah. it back. You know. Well, yeah. And there's a danger that if you start to know it, then your mind may be more inclined to go a little bit further, and then start believing things that right. are not provable in any way, and, and are very likely not true and you got to be so careful with that when you're even thinking about these
0: things and that's what this whole conversation is just largely about i mean we're in a place right now where that stuff is like weaponized and like super super dangerous with things like QAnon and and things like you know the technology that you're talking sure. about the internet is language and is you know increasing in terms of speed and efficiency and the ability to spread dumb ideas very very quickly and then we had this crazy pandemic thing where all of a sudden a bunch of bored you know, housewives and people that were out of work, I guess were like clicking around and like, oh, this QAnon stuff is, is for me because it like kind of does that confirmation bias thing where it's a grain of something they already believe, whether it was a racist attitude or whatever, pick your poison. I mean, the whole thing is so bonkers and there's so much wrapped up in it. It was all about that ability to appeal to the basist, instincts of, of certain people, and then they just
2: disappeared
0: and became different people.
2: Well, that's, that's something else, too. Like, Lauren, thank you for your patience, because I know you asked us a question, sorry, and then Lauren, we we're sorry, like, oh, guys, you know, so 20 minutes later. But, but real quick, uh, I, because I was dunking on the media earlier, I want to bring up something really important. How many people heard about what happened in Tulsa before they saw the HBO series Watchmen? How many? Great, and thank you, for, thank you to everybody who, who admits that was new information. Because again, we're seeing this idea that the past can be uh, malleable, that it can become a conversation uh, that can be, like the cliche is history is written by the winners. Unfortunately, a lot of cliches become cliches because they are at some point true. And that's what, we're, that's what we endeavor to do <clears throat> with this show. We want to, want to first examine the sources of something to see whether there's a grain of truth and if there is not or if there is to see how that evolved because conspiracies are modern folklore that's really what they are it's the same kind of you hear the same iterations of stories from the past uh the first usage of the word conspiracy dates back uh to around the early 1800s uh, in, in Europe, if not bef- not slightly before, but it really hit the American zeitgeist in the wake of the assassination of President Kennedy. And then this became this, this term became weaponized. And I'm not gonna ascribe motive to the organizations that did weaponize it. You mean the
1: ones uh, that killed JFK? <clears throat> Sorry, no, no, right, just well, kidding, nope.
2: But, but, but we, we do think we do think it's important, especially now, because if you meet someone and you feel like, and I know we'll talk about this in a second, but if you meet someone, a loved one, a relative, on purpose, and you think that, um, and, you, and you think they're just too far gone to talk about, right, or talk to, and you're like, look, there is a, there is a Wikipedia page on microchips. There is a Wikipedia page on vaccines. Read the first paragraph of both, you know, you don't have to do that much, and they still won't listen to you. Then we have to figure out how to how to speak with these people in in a way that doesn't feel alienating. You know, in a way that can help a Socratic method, I guess, is part of it. I'm getting ahead of us, but no,
1: no, this is really good. Uh, uh, yeah, do you- no, no, no. sorry. No, okay.
4: I can just leave. That's fine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. Please don't leave. Um, one of the hardest things to do right now that you've probably experienced is is either having an internal you know conversation with yourself a monologue or talking to a loved one that is uh either super skeptical of everything that you may believe or extremely believing in something that you just don't find to be true at all and and it's the bubbles that we find ourselves in we're we're so We have so many people in our social media feeds and other places that are confirming exactly what we believe and what we think that it's really tough to break out of that. For me, it's tough to break out of that. That's why I don't have any social media anymore, actually, Uh, so that I could just talk with these guys and Lauren and everybody else just to have actual conversation rather than somebody telling me that I'm right or stupid for what I think.
2: And that's the point. People's motivations are... They're well-intentioned. You know what I mean? Nobody is like... But very few people are waking up and thinking, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna ruin somebody's day on Facebook. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find... I'm just going to... That's who I am. Oh, I don't now. believe that. I think there's lots of people that wake <laughs> yeah, up and... Yeah, but I am say the majority of people, like even if they seem really far gone, are, they're well-intentioned. Oh, true. You know true. And, they're, I, I, and when, from their perspective, when they're speaking with someone that they're trying to persuade to follow a certain belief set or piece of folklore or modern mythology, they see themselves as Promethean. They see themselves as illuminators. And, you know, they're bringing understanding. Anyway...
4: Well, but so there, there's two things here, and, and one, is, one is, you know, like, most of us are getting our initial news a lot from either social media or from word of mouth, um, and so how do we ourselves um, sort out the misinformation that we're constantly given a stream of, and then also, how do you talk to the people who are spreading that information? Like, how, how do you have a conversation with them?
0: Yeah, we have a pretty good case study for this that we were just talking about today. Uh, yeah. um, in Atlanta, where we're from, there's been a lot of to do made online about there being a serial killer. Yeah, on the like loose. I,
4: got, I got this text from a friend, and she was like, hey, don't go walking alone at night. There's a serial killer. And I was like, this is the first I have heard of this. Uh, yeah.
2: A viral Instagram post that probably many people in the audience have seen. Um, it's that, because it's sexy. It's a thing yeah. that people want. I mean, I, I mean, in terms of like
4: it is. the no, prurient
0: right. nature yeah. of it, it's a lot cooler to share and be the one, the light bringer that says, hey, there's a psychopath out there mutilating corpses in the park, you know, watch out. As opposed to there's been one admittedly violent crime. There's... Two, I mean, there, there were three, but like they're not even necessarily connected. My point is, the one that people have been really focusing on was a stabbing, it's and there was late. another one
1: that was a shooting. You'll never know the truth. Well, anything, it's, it's too late. It's this, it's over. It's, Sorry,
2: it's true. Like, there, there, are, there are real human beings at stake, real human yes. lives, irreplaceable, and people were again with the best of intentions. Posting something that they thought would help other people right. would help their loved ones, but we see what we see what happened to be um, To be specific there was there was the horrific murder of a 39 year old named Katie uh, Janice Janes, and then in uh, in another area in the Atlanta Metro there was uh, the homicide the murder of a 19 year old named Tori Lang this, the, the FBI defines a serial killer, which is a relatively rare phenomenon in the real world. Uh, they define a serial killer as at least three murders, typically with a dormant period in between. So if you're making the social media post and you want to make the claim that there is a, cons- there is a serial murderer on the loose, you need number three. And if you look at that social media post, that's where, no- that's where it breaks down. There are a lot of details about numbers one and two because unfortunately, tragically, those people did both die. Number three is a third murder in Norcross. Norcross is the most specific part of that statement. Norcross is a place with a population of thousands and thousands, and there's no detail about that third person because they're trying to create. We went past recognizing patterns, which is the reason humans evolved to this level, and went to creating them whether consciously or not. And that's a danger. And it's also massively, massively offensive To the families. Absolutely.
0: Not not only that, and what I was getting at before was um, one of the big viral posts outside of a few tweets that said, Serial killer on the loose, watch out. There was literally a screenshot of somebody, anonymous source, and some very, very, very grisly details about things that were done uh, in the first crime, in the stabbing. Things that have been reported absolutely nowhere. Um, I think. Matt, we saw an article in our local TV station where a quote-unquote crime scene expert employed by said television station said something uh, the effect of posed these questions. What if there was necrophilia? Watch what out if- when
2: they're posed as questions. That's
0: what I'm saying. It was right. just a series of these, and so all of a sudden now someone is posting things about these very specific details that are not in the record anywhere. Now, it's certainly possible well, this m- might be an insider who has some kind of scoop that we don't and blowing the whistle or something. But it's but not verified at all.
1: No. And the only information that's come officially from the chief of police of the APD is, it was a gruesome scene. That's all we know. That's quote. all we've literally heard. That's literally the quote. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it's crazy to think, if, if you get most of your news whether it's good or not from a social media feed or just from hearing from others, you're going to believe that it's fully true. If you just watch your local news channel, like, uh, you know, my, my parents and and a lot of people do, they just watch a local news channel, they read a newspaper. You're very likely to believe that it's completely not true. If you are just a rational thinker, you understand that the FBI and any police department does not share any pertinent details for an ongoing investigation. So nobody, no journalist, unless they've got an exact inside track with somebody who's, you know, a CSI person, like all the people that are on the other side of this convention center, by the way, fascinating
2: stuff. Yeah, it's a different,
1: um, it's a different convention, <laughs> uh, but it's true. But, but some but of I'm, them probably have podcasts too, though. But we what I'm saying is <laughs> we, we won't know those details for a long time unless, you know, somebody gets caught, unless there's a trial, unless you know, time goes on for a little while. So we kind of exist in this weird space of not being able to know the full story at all times. Want to so badly that we're willing to share the thing that, again, I used the term sexy earlier and that was probably
0: inappropriate, but I just mean in terms of like grabby. This is the thing that makes me feel the most smart, the most empowered, the one that has the inside scoop that nobody else has, but everyone feels that way. It's the easiest thing in the world to see something really terrible and terrifying. You want to be the one
2: that that hips everyone to that thing, you know? Yeah, I would say there's social pressure too with social media, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's um, the, the lowest form of this probably is on Facebook where it's like innocuous, live, laugh, lovish statement. If you agree, share, I bet 10 people won't. And then, you know, for a long time people were like, well, I, by God, I'm gonna be number eight. I think people should live, I think they should laugh, you know what I think they should love. And then this evolved into this, into this pressure thing. There are people, in the case of this, uh, this, this rumor that still, as Matt said, has a lot of questions to be answered in Atlanta that is going on right now, in the case of that rumor, it is not unfair to assume there were people who said, I may not have all the facts, but I have people in my life that I want to protect. Therefore, I am a good person if I share this, and I am a callous person if I do not. And that pressure doesn't always have to be conscious. But it is ever present. And maybe if you think, you know, you think that if you share the one
0: with the grisliest details, whether or not they're true, it'll freak people out enough to make them do something and to actually act, as opposed to just another homicide. There's lots of homicides in Atlanta every every day, everywhere. Um, but when you start seeing things like that, it starts. But then you hear the FBI is involved, which is true, right? And, and not that's the GBI, the FBI. So why? You know, let's just go there. Yeah. Like, I mean, you don't bring the FBI in. It is a violent crime, but I mean. So is a shooting. You know, I just don't, it's a little fishy, I think, that the FBI is involved. But yet yeah, we, we just don't have all the facts. So I mean, it'll, we'll find out eventually, but I just think that it's an interesting case study for exactly oh, yeah. what we're talking about.
1: I think so too. And look, I don't want to go all the way down this route to, on this stage right now, but what if that kind, that same kind of thing where an anonymous source is telling you that, the government is fully corrupt, and, and what we have to do is fight back against this government right now. And the only way to do this is we got to rise up. we got to start organizing and talking to each other. And, you know if, But if it's coming from a place of just a, an anonymous source that for some reason everybody inside this one particular bubble believes it. I this it, one blonde dude kind of did a thing. I don't like know what that. you're talking about, but I just know that it's I, I it, it is potentially very dangerous because we want everybody wants like Ben said to be the good person to share the important stuff, to help other people and to do the right thing that is the right thing for them. Some people are just
0: anarchists, though, and just want to, like, sow chaos and disinformation, and that's part of the equation, too. Well, we a, can't forget about that. There's Everyone a
2: dehumanizing. Is, yes. Like, Dunbar's number is, you know, still not the best science, but there is a dehumanization that occurs. You know, you're talking to an avatar or you um, I, I I don't know. It's just very easy to bring people in because there's this arm's length distance one feels, you know, if you look, if you talk in person to people who would consider themselves online um, proponents of the QAnon ideas, you talk to them in person, they're gonna be like, hey, here's a funny meme. You know what I mean? They're not gonna be like, let's go burn down Nashville, because that's the seat of the deep state. I think, I don't know. I haven't been throughout the whole resort yet, so maybe. But, um, but yeah, so we think. We think this is important and we think it's also important to be approachable and to be transparent and clear about this. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with admitting when you do not know an answer. In fact, I would say it is our responsibility, an oft neglected responsibility to say that when it is true, especially when we're talking about important things. So takeaways real quick, takeaways are uh, watch out, when somebody is phrasing things as leading questions, that happens on ghost shows or ancient aliens all the time, you know, where they're, they're keeping the question and the answer. And they're like, well, like they can't say this pyramid was built by an alien because it's untrue. But what they can do is be like, well, you know, what if a pyramid was
0: built by an alien cut to commercial?
2: Or is that right? like when they
0: answer the question, they wished... You had asked them. Oh yeah, we were talking about that earlier. You actually asked.
2: That's in politics, and then another one is: watch out for anonymous sources. Uh, They're they're quite successful. Anonymous source is like one of the most prolifically quoted uh, sources in all of media.
0: It's unfortunate because it works both ways. Because a lot of times you have the need for anonymous sources because people in government, if they don't stay anonymous, they'll get like you know totally ruined. So. It's hard, right? That's, the, that's another hard part about, like, do you trust anonymous sources? I feel like if people are just constantly using anonymous sources,
2: then maybe it's a little sus, well, but if I don't know. Well, you have to protect your sources as yes. a journalist, but also there's probably, there's seven, there are more than 7.8 billion people in the world. It is not impossible that there is, like, one guy whose government name is anonymous sources, and his life must be such a hassle.
3: He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed.
0: Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your
3: BBC podcasts. If you dare. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a there. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details.
1: An anonymous source told me we might take some questions. You yes. guys want to do that? Yeah. Sure.
2: Yeah, yeah.
4: yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, hey, so uh, I can keep not asking you guys questions um, and letting you talk forever, or uh, we can open up the floor and see if y'all want to let them talk forever. Does, 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 anyone,
0: so does anyone out here have? Okay, any... I'll bring the microphone to you guys so everybody can hear everything. Oh, thank you, oh, man. Yeah. Thank oh, that's so Sean. That's Sean, Thanks our microphone Sean guy. Give if it up for you work. guys in your most succinct manner could
3: really quickly paraphrase what they say because we're, we're broadcasting this oh, online. absolutely. Sure. Not the long questions. This oh, could be a really long question, so I'm not sure how it's going to go.
4: I had two questions, but I'll keep it to one. Um, I actually wanted to hear your guys' feedback on the movie Utopia. I don't know if you guys have seen it or
2: not.
1: Oh. The movie Utopia? Or, or the, or the TV show? The
2: Zootopia? Series. Zootopia, I love yeah. Zootopia. Yeah. Uh, love it. The, uh prefer the British version very much. The, so the question, since we're live, I got you, Sean. <laughs> so the question is, what do you guys think about the series Utopia, which is a Yeah, a a, a near near future sci-fi series. um, Spoiler alert: Here be spoilers uh, regarding a vaccination program that will lead to a radical Malthusian approach to population control. Right. Uh, So that's phrasing the question. I dug it. I dug it. uh, Honestly, I don't. I mean. Just organizationally, the human species has a tough time with like 12 people deciding a verdict or six people ordering pizza. So that level of cooperation on a global scale is a tall milkshake. Certainly
0: prescient for what's going on right now. Some of the issues people have with being mandated to get a vaccine or do anything or share medical history and all of that stuff. So it's interesting in that respect for sure what is going on over there? Oh,
1: somebody's singing. Oh, we sing over here, too. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. That's Matt's opinion on Utopia, folks. Yeah, yeah,
1: no, Utopia freaked me the heck out, and it was the British versions, too, because I'd known about that for a while and was aware of everything as it started happening in real life. The only thing that makes me happy is that there are so many different companies vying to make a vaccine that I don't think all of them would be working together to, uh, you know, sterilize me personally. That's another thing um, about
0: conspiracy theories, right? Like when it's, it gets so complex like that, what are the chances that you're going to have that level of cooperation among competing entities? Kind of,
2: you know. What I
1: mean? But I, you I, I, never know. Yeah, don't ever. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, what if
2: everybody? What if we all had a pizza party and we all had to figure out what, what we're going to order? I think it's, it's a great idea. I think right. we do that next year.
3: But okay. yes. How about we redefine succinct?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Todd. All
0: right, that was including the answer as well.
2: So you guys mentioned earlier about you know questioning media, and obviously that's something that's going on in our world right now. And everyone's got their different barometer. Knowing that you know every organization
1: has funding behind it, right? No one is p- absolutely pure. Where do you draw your own line in what you absolutely tr- believe to be true versus what you have to take with a grain of salt?
2: So the question is, where do we draw the line between what sources I would sources we take to be uh, true versus sources with a grain of salt? Um, I think all three of us are adding salt to every source, honestly, because there's always some kind of agenda, even if that agenda is phrased as uh, we our agenda is to be as objective as possible. Like you'll see, like. Um, I'll say it, when is the Washington Post gonna say something bad about Jeff Bezos now that he owns it, you know? It's an interesting question. It's, I mean, and and, you know, the company that we make podcasts for is a giant company,
0: but we can honestly say we are never told what to talk about or not talk about or or given parameters around what we should do, ever. It's never happened.
1: Our our boss is in the crowd. Is he? No, one of our bosses. And and we're also allowed to, you know, read ads for any company that comes our way, and we don't have to say no ever. It's, it's kind of just how we do our thing, and people criticize us for that. But we, we don't have to say yes. We don't have to say yes. We yes. don't have to say no. We, can, we get to decide. Yes. And we just say yes because we're, we think it's hilarious that we're a conspiracy show and McDonald's is like, here's some money, and we're like, okay.
2: We're going to do an episode
1: on you, but okay.
2: <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, yeah, you have to think that way.
1: Um, but no, but really, every, every source, um, it's tough. It's really, really tough. Uh, the the only good thing is that there are still journalists in this world that have integrity that work for companies that seem to have integrity, and you know you can only assume that they do because there's an editorial process, and there are people who will get in major trouble if that process isn't followed. But
0: then it's like even if NPR isn't even beyond reproach, they had some p- p- weird political nastiness that was going on behind the scenes there.
1: So it's a it's a level system, or um, uh, what what do you say? We use PR. a barometer for as I mean it really is. For for every single thing in any given moment. And okay, it sucks. So I think we're
2: <laughs> failing the definition of succinct, but real, quick, succinct? real, um, real quick, just oh. uh, always read conflicting sources. Find one that argues for, find one that argues against, triangulate. That's your best bet. So I know it's really easy to be cynical right now in terms of like the course of the next five to 10 to 15 years. Um, do you guys feel, because the point that I would make is, is I, I find I'm almost I'm almost 30, and I find kids that are in high school and growing up are like already being grown with with phones in their hand, and maybe hopefully, they're getting a better understanding of like what's bull on the web versus what isn't. So, do you guys find over the course from a generational point of view, over the next 10 years, like are we just? F- or do you think that there's going to be a point at which we go like oh like we've been in this for so long now that we we kind of have at least a better barometer of what's what's good and what isn't so so the question is are people who are growing up native to a digital environment uh are they uh so the so uh the answer is the magic eight ball answer is it's it's unclear. It's tough to tell. I do who their parents are. This
0: is a big yeah, part of it, for right, sure. Because
2: there's a di- discrepancy between the parents, um, like you grew up when the inter- the handheld internet was already kind of a thing, and then also uh, legislation lags so far behind innovation, and it's a dilemma. That's what that's what I would say. It, I, I, it does feel cliche to say it's on the parents, but it's on the well, it is on the community.
0: As a, as a parent of a 12 year old, you know who is absolutely glued to her her device. Mainly, I think it's cool, the, the stuff that she learns and the stuff that she gathers from the internet. She is the curator of her own experience. I, I do not feel like she's being sold a bill of goods with the stuff that she's, that she's interacting with on the internet. That, that's just my, I mean, I think there's too much information out there and it can make things confusing. It can make uh, things feel overwhelming at times. The sheer volume of access to information that kids have these days, I think can be anxiety-inducing, but I think they're smart, and, and if their parents are honest and open you know, about it, then I think it, they can navigate it, um, and it's easier for them to discern truth from fiction most of the time, in my opinion, my experience.
1: That's awesome, man. Uh, I unfortunately am on that uh, pessimism path. Uh, it's gonna get worse until the singularity, and, <laughs> and you know, then we'll see what happens at that point. My man's being funny here. <laughs> Not really. Nope.
4: Hello. <laughs> So talking about you know, conflicting information, seeing things from so many different angles, do you ever just feel so frustrated by it and wanna throw in the towel and say, I'm never gonna know the truth, F- it. Cause I find myself in that a lot. And so I'm wondering what you guys think.
2: Uh, th- I'm gonna be candid. The question um, is, do you ever get so, yep. Yeah, no, no, uh, do you ever get so frustrated with uh, trying to get through the noise, right? And find like some sources purposely obfuscate themselves and sound as though they're legit journalism, but it turns out, no, no, they're not. Um, I, will, I will say, honestly, there are times when I, I go to these guys or, uh, or whomever is unfortunate enough to be in the room with me and say this, this is bull this is a Gordian knot and I'm not sure like we can't cut it in half. Uh, we have to. In that case, what I do is I, I try to specify or constrain, like what I can find, what I can quantify, and what I can verify or disprove. Uh, that's that's my approach, and it doesn't solve the whole. It doesn't solve the whole horizon there, but uh, you do what you can.
1: I, I haven't uh, thrown in the towel yet. But what day is it? Uh, I don't know, but I think we're okay. No, yeah, Uh, a little bit of positivity goes a long way and specificity, as Ben said, is the way to go if you're ever feeling super overwhelmed.
4: Do you have a particular issue or case where you feel that way about, where you really
1: are like, I I don't know?
2: Um, there there are uh, so the question is, follow up, do we ever run into something where we genu- genuinely encounter that head against the wall moment? Why did I get involved in this show? I could have been a lawyer, kind of things. like or like uh, the the answer, I, I can't speak for everybody, but I, I know some of the answers for us are gonna be things that are bigger, uh, sometimes bigger, more abstract questions. Like uh you know, is the universe a simulation that is that's super fun to talk about at three in the morning, but like how do you how do you prove it and then how and then what do you do with that knowledge? Um, there are other things that are um, sadly, there are a lot of things that are lost to history, and with that, because there are brilliant people working around the clock to find more primary sources to dig into stories that sometimes uh, people don 't want told, then we we have to be ready for new information. We always have to be ready to change our minds. Uh, so I would say universe is a simulation that 's a trippy one. I would say there are some scary future based things that we just we don't want to be alarmist about but we can't really guess at you know um, and those those are tough because they become thought experiments and just have to try to make sure. You're doing your best, and you're being transparent when you know that that is itself an experimental endeavor to guess what the world will be like 250 years from now. You know,
1: can, can I tell you mine? It's the the whole UAP UFO thing. Oh my god! Because Here there's we go. so much yeah. purposeful disinformation that's sure. been released o- over all these decades since the 1940s by the government to cover up the you know, the experiments that they're doing on, on craft and the secret stuff that they have to have a technological advantage over other countries. And it's really hard to know, what is that? Like what part of it is just that still happening now in 2021 mm-hmm. and how much of it is actually something that we cannot confirm and why is the Navy telling me that it's real?
2: And how much money did we pay the government to just throw up its hands and say like, oh, uh, so
1: I don't know, pallets yeah. of oh, billions shit. of dollars that went missing in Iraq. Oh, sorry. That's a whole other
4: thing. <laughs> uh, well, unfortunately, guys, that's our time. Um, uh, thank you all for being here. Thank you all for being here so much. You thank you so much. so
2: much, everybody. Thanks, Lauren. Oh. Thanks, Lauren Vogelbaum. Oh, thank okay, and now we're out of the live, the live show, the panel. We hope that you enjoyed it. Uh, we're still in. We're in the other part of the show. This is the other like Matroshka doll of the show. This is the outro. We're, we're on the outro of this, guys. The time flew by again.
1: Wow, man, my dog is trying to get my attention. That's how you can tell this is the real world. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I yeah, now that you've heard all of that, there, been, there were so many great questions there at the end. We wonder what you think about those questions that were asked. I cannot recall them all in this moment as we are fully meta at this point. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we'd love to hear your thoughts on anything we discussed or especially those questions at the end.
2: Yeah, there is uh, one note. There's a part there where we talk about uh, the fact that there are no coca fields in uh, the mainland United States, in the, in the Continental 48. There is one company that's legally allowed to manufacture and sell pharmaceutical-grade cocaine. They're located in New Jersey. And that was the fact that stuck with me that I
1: felt like we should have pointed out on the show. And they are pharmaceutical-related.
2: Yes, very much so. Yeah, because <laughs> there's always an exception if you if you uh, have access to the right pockets to grease, I imagine. Grease in pockets? What do <laughs> you do to the palms? palms? It sounds
4: amazing. gross.
1: <laughs> Just tossing onion rings in those pockets. That's what I do. <laughs>
2: well, you say got to save it for later. You know, I mean, it's must... pocket snacks. So we call those? I, you know what? I have no judgment when I, I love it when I see someone casually pull out like a, an odd, piece of food or sustenance, you know, and they, and they just start eating it in public. Like I, I love it. When I see someone who's like, Oh, I just got an apple in my pocket. I always think like, I I don't know. I I feel like there's something wholesome about it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but but it's seriously like an onion ring, Uh, like a fully greasy large onion ring.
2: (laughs) Is it, is it fresh? Or is it like it's been in the pocket for a
1: minute? It's been in there for a while. It okay. wasn't it. You know, it was anticipated that it would be consumed much faster than it was.
2: It reminds me of uh, I I went to a movie theater um, for the first time in a long time to see the Anthony Bourdain documentary, and I saw a guy take out what I believe to be a burrito, like before the lights went down. He had clearly gotten this burrito and ha- did the pocket move and pulled yeah, it out. That. Yeah, and you got to do that. It. I was like, yeah, man. I,
0: Remind, I it reminds me of that I think you should leave Sketch or he's got a hot dog hidden <laughs> in his sleeve. Yes, <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. And, uh, and we were not eating on stage. We were trying to be professional, uh, but I hope you enjoyed it and can't wait to do more uh, live things in the future. Hopefully we can... Hopefully we can talk uh, Doc and Mission Control and a a couple other folks, uh, compatriots, into joining us. What do you think, guys? Think we'll ever go on tour again? Oh,
0: my God, yes. I mean, you know, obviously we're entering another kind of watch-out stage right now with all this Delta business, but... Uh, hopefully, the next kind of delta we'll be involved in will
2: be Delta Airlines, baby. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, let us let us know your questions that you wished were asked at the panel. Uh, let us know your thoughts on the concept of conspiracy in a so-called post-truth world. As always, we cannot wait to hear from you. Um, well also tell us the weirdest stuff you've ever snuck into a movie theater. It's just just interesting. We'd Just like to know, Was uh, it Charlie,
0: Charlie Day on uh, always sunny spaghetti in a bag.
2: Yes. That's un- that's unacceptable. The uh,
0: squishiness and the, uh,
1: this, the smells. No, that's not, that's uh, not cool. Four JBCs, yeah, It's a junior bacon cheeseburger, a junior bacon cheese. Yeah, because when, when you're no.
2: that deep in the JBC game, you don't have time to say the whole name. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's right, man. <laughs> no Frosties this time, but uh, that was that was my favorite one that I've ever done.
0: I like to sneak those little um, kind of like cheese sticks wrapped in gabagool. You know, have you ever seen those? Oh yeah, uh, yeah, those yeah, are, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, I love. They those come they, they come shrink wrapped, so they they don't smell. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you just pound those suckers. So that's but a yeah, good. You uh, have some parm-
2: uh have some pepperoni. Uh I, I I used to do Lunchables. I'll be honest.
0: <laughs> All right, it's classy. Yeah. <laughs>
2: What's like your go-to kids. Lunchable,
0: Ben? Real quick. Do uh, you like the little What's your go-to Lunchable? Do you like the little weird cold pizzas? Those were always very strange to me.
2: Yeah, the pizza I think it was more of a novelty for people, you know. Kids love
0: them. Kids love them. I just don't like the idea of cold tomato sauce. It makes me kind of puke in my mouth a little bit. It's gross.
2: Yeah, it's 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 a it's a weird thing. But, you know what? Let let us know. What what do you sneak into movie theaters uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> all the time right now? Like all today, the time <laughs> right now.
2: What if have you been like slowly learning to uh, make rotisserie chicken at home? And you're like, as soon as I go see a movie, I'm bringing the chicken with me. Because because if you're out there, you are a legend. Well, if you're out there, we want to hear from you.
0: You can find us on the Internet. Catch us on the usual Internet places of note. We are Conspiracy Stuff on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Conspiracy Stuff Show on Instagram.
1: Yes, and we have a phone number. You can use your mouth to talk into your phone, and it will come to us. Our number is 1-833-STDWYTK. You'll have three minutes. Give yourself a really cool nickname, whatever you want it to be. That's fine. Let us know if we can use your voice and message on the air in one of these listener mail episodes that we make. And uh, if you've got too much to to say in three minutes, you want to send us links or anything else like that, please instead send us a good old-fashioned email. Our address is... Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com
0: Your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime.
1: Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or
2: business has pests,
1: don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit
5: Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com.